Hello and welcome into this very special edition of the SFCBL Triple Play Podcast live from the Boca Raton Spring Hill Suites on Northwest 8th Avenue, conveniently located off Yamato Road. I'm joined by the CEO and Commissioner of the SFCBL, Vince Farfalia, and today we have a very special draft preview. The draft is coming up, and Vince, I know we got a lot of guys, both current and former, that have a real good chance of getting their name called this coming weekend. But Vince, first, how are you doing? Doing great. Uh, this is a really exciting time of year. You know, this is what these kids work up to, and uh, this is uh, the pinnacle of uh, a lot of these guys' young careers. Uh, this is where... It all starts, and uh, the path to the major leagues begin. And the SFCBL, as we know, a great place to get that started, whether they play here as underclassmen or they're here a little bit later in their college career. It's been a really good opportunity for guys of all levels and all ages to come work on their game and obviously enjoy being in sunny South Florida for the summer. Absolutely. Um, So without further ado, let's look at day one. It's in prime time on Sunday, July 11th. We'll begin round one. Who are we looking at as some potential candidates to go uh, in the first round? So, um, yeah, we have a list here compiled of guys and, um, you know, guys that are uh, in the league and guys that are uh, alumni of the league as well. Uh, The draft will begin first round. will begin 7 p.m. on Sunday night. Uh, We have a handful of guys that have the possibility to go on day one, but I believe... Uh, the highest pick is going to be Matthew Nelson from Florida State. He's a former Delray Beach Lightning uh, guy. He led the country in home runs this year uh, and RBIs, and he is um, a very, very special um, player. Uh, a lot of scouts believe that he was the best current bat in the draft right now. And when he was here, um, he was drafted actually in the 39th round. It was here in 2018. Oh, well, I was just going to say, Vince, for the people at home that maybe are listening to this and aren't so familiar, it's kind of confusing in the MLB that guys can get drafted and then they don't go and they get drafted again. Can you kind of explain that for people that may not be so familiar? Right. So Matthew was an incoming freshman. Um, a lot of these larger programs, Power 5 programs, will send us their incoming freshmen to kind of prep them. Uh, before they get to uh, school. And uh, he was a high school senior. Uh, once he graduated, he was considered a freshman at Florida State, and that's when we had him. And uh, he was drafted uh, by the Phillies, opted not to sign, and uh, it looks like the uh, the gamble paid off because he just went absolutely bananas this year. Hit 23 home runs, led Division One, uh, hit 330, uh, he's five foot eleven, two hundred nine pounds. He's compact, con, uh, compact frame, strong guy, uh, really big time defensive tools that he will stay behind a plate. So any team that drafts this kid is going to be getting a rare combination in the catcher because not only is can he catch and throw, but he can hit for power as well, which a lot of teams are uh, would be very interested in in a guy like that. So what it sounds like is you know a guy. He'll get drafted just on raw talent when he's young, and then if he chooses not to sign, goes and plays his college career, then he has a, a much better chance of going higher in the draft. Sure. So basically, like if you're if you're a an MLB team and you're taking a high school senior, you're basically drafting the tools because they haven't had the ability to go into college yet and put up statistics and numbers. Um, 
and a lot of guys take that gamble. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and in this case, it looks like it's really going to work out for Maddie. We're you know very very proud of him. We're really close with the family and the kid, and he's I, I couldn't find a better player uh, person uh, to go to with this and be rewarded. I'm really excited for Matt. I think he's going to have a great big league career someday. Awesome, and I, I can't wait to see uh, the fruits of our labor, if you will, the SFCBL alumni making it to the big leagues. Uh, maybe who's another guy on your list that has first-round potential uh, or could slip into uh, the later single-digit rounds? So this one uh, would be a right-handed pitcher. Uh, he pitched for the Boca Raton Blazers last year, Mason Black. Um, he is a uh, right-handed pitcher out of Lehigh University, pitched uh, this past summer during the COVID year with us. And he is a guy that was projected to go in the first round and had a couple tough outings uh, towards the end of the year, and he, he might have slipped. But I personally believe that scouts are going to draft on what they saw consistently the entire year just because of one or one or two bad outings, which I wouldn't even say they're bad. He just, I mean, he got hit. Everybody gets hit. Um, and I think that he has a potential to go on day one, possibly uh, a comp A or a comp B round guy as well. Um, Can which you explain that? Yeah, so um, you have the first round, and then you have uh, first round A and first round B, and those are the comp rounds, and then the second round comes after that. So I, I think he's going to be a guy that has a chance to go in the top 100 picks nonetheless. And, um, I mean, he's he's got a power arm, fastball up to 98, really consistently sits like 91, 95. And um, when he gets ahead in the count – uh, he could run it up to, into the high 90s. Um, Mason was a guy that we saw get better every outing here in the summer with us. Um, he's a guy that developed his slider here in the summer. Um, our pitching coaches really helped him out with that, and it ended up becoming a swing-and-miss wipeout-type slider at times um, that he throws into mid-80s. Um, and that was one of the things is that he really needed to develop an out pitch because anybody can hit fastballs. It's really important for him to develop that out pitch and get that swing and miss because at the next level, the hitters are very, very good. And he uh, worked off that summer, and, and, and he did set a school record and I believe a conference record for strikeouts this past year. So his summer with us last summer was pivotal. Yeah, very grateful that um, the SFCBL was able to play in the 2020 year and a lot of other leagues were shut down. Um, and I know that brought a lot of talent down here um, to obviously get an opportunity to play. Uh, after Mason, you know, who, who's next on your big board, I guess, if you will? So I'm going to go with a current guy, a current guy in the league. Um, he is a, a Vanderbilt University guy. Uh, he is on the Delray Beach Lightning. His name is Devin Futrell. Um 6'5", left-handed arm, pure projection pick here. If if a team takes him, they are uh, simply taking a, a projection guy. You know, he's not overpowering. He's 88-91, but he really knows how to pitch. Uh, has a big league changeup, solid to a solid above-average changeup right now. Uh, the slider is a work in progress, but nonetheless, the arm action is really clean. And, you know, he's a guy that you could get into a, uh, a system and really develop. Um, you put 30 or 40 pounds on this guy as he's sitting in the mid-90s very easily. It's a big projection arm. And, you know, I'm not sure, you know, what his situation is going to be. Um, and 
what his signability is right now. Um, but he does, he has a, a good situation at Vanderbilt. You know, it's one of the, arguably the best program in the country. So he's going to have a just tough decision to make. I believe he is going to get drafted. I'm not sure where, uh, and how high, but really that's going to come down to his signability. And, um, if he does not sign, then he can go to Vanderbilt and, uh, gamble on himself the next three years and really, uh, put himself in a position to go higher or, uh, get more money depending on what happens. Um, so based on your experience, when a guy gets drafted super high, um, and the, even the, I mean, I'm sure if they are going to get drafted that high, they're committed to a pretty prestigious program at the next level. What, what have you seen people do based on, you know, all the years you've been around the, the game? Do you think more people tend to go to school to go get that development as a raw talent, or do they take a chance on themselves and go work uh, in the big league system? Generally speaking, guys that have Power 5 commitments a lot of times are going to go to school. Guys that are mid-major commits or guys that are even uncommitted generally will sign. Uh, the thing with Devin is that, I mean, Vanderbilt, once again, is arguably the best program in the country. And the coaching staff there does a phenomenal job at developing guys. So him and his family are going to have to make a decision whether they want to take X amount of dollars right now and maybe be in the big leagues in three to five years or go to Vandy and uh, be drafted when he's 20, 21 years old and uh, develop and, um, you know, try to gamble on himself. It's really, really a, uh, it's a tough decision for young guys to make uh, because you do take uh, in the factor that, what if a guy gets hurt? What if you don't perform? What if you don't develop? But I've seen his kid pitch, and I think his talent and his potential is phenomenal. Um, and I think he's going to be a, a very, very good and special player in the future. For sure. So moving on, who is next on your list to talk about? So this would be a former guy. Uh, this was last year, Christian Scott uh, from the University of Florida. He was a uh, starter last year for the Delray Beach Lightning. Um, he's a bullpen arm uh, at the next level. Um, here, his numbers weren't the best. He, he had like a 10 ERA, but he went uh, back to Florida this past year and had a uh, an incredible year, struck out a ton of dudes, had around like I believe a 3 ERA, um, you know, he's the type of guy that will run his fastball up into the mid-90s, um, power slider, and, um, I mean, he's competing at the University of Florida in the best conference in the country, and uh, he's proved himself. So, you know, he was a sophomore. He had a 1.2 ERA um, and didn't get taken in the shortened draft last year for COVID, um, but this year he had a 3 ERA and uh, led the team in appearances at UF. And um, I think he's going to be a day two guy uh, just because his um, I, I think scouts see him more as a reliever. And on day one, you're going to, want to take a guy that could be a starter. Mm -hmm. So I see Christian as a reliever at the next level. Um, and I think he'll probably be like a day two, like two to second to 10 round type guy. Um, but nonetheless, he's very talented and, you know, great kid and uh, local guy here from uh, Coconut Creek. Excited to uh, see him in the draft on uh, next week coming up. University of Florida, South Florida Collegiate League, maybe he'll land with a Florida 
professional franchise. Uh, who do you see next on your list there? So I'm going to just kind of group all these yeah. guys. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm saying uh, Luca Tresh has a chance to go high. Catcher from NC State. Robbie Martin from Florida State. Uh, him and Matthew Nelson were like the Bash brothers this year. Um, he's an outfielder, left-handed hitter. Max Ferguson from the University of Tennessee, I think – he was projected to go in the first round, didn't have the best year of the plate offensively, and it kind of slid him back. Nonetheless, I think he's a top 10 round guy. Second baseman can hit guys like his swing. Brady Allen, University of South Carolina, I think he had a great year, man. Um, I, I could see Brady going in the top five rounds. Um, and I want to talk about a, um, a former player of the first place Palm Beach Extreme, uh, Mike Rothenberg uh, from Duke University. Uh, he is a big-time catch-and-throw guy, and he's kind of like the how we were talking about with Matthew Nelson, how a team drafts Nelson, they're getting an offensive guy, and they're getting a guy that can catch and throw. Mike has power. He hit, I believe, nine jacks this year, but Mike is more of a defensive specialist. He's a big-time catch-throw guy. He is a switch hitter, so that is a plus. Uh, switch hitting catchers are uh, a commodity at the major league level. And um, I could see Mike uh, going on day two as well in that top 10 round. Uh, he is a senior um, at Duke. So I hope Mike uh, gets the money that he wants. And um, I think he'll go probably in the top 10 rounds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it sounds like, you know, when guys take a chance on themselves and they do go to a top program, they're obviously going to get that development that they want. But I, I guess baseball is unique from the other leagues where, you know, if you look at the NBA, if a guy doesn't go one and done, they're getting old, their knees are going, and they're not going to be as good of a prospect, even if they're really good at 22 years old. But in baseball, it seems like the players age like a fine wine. You know, they get better as they develop and they – really get to grow. So a guy like a senior coming out of Duke, out of a four-year program, that's really going to develop him and he's going to get to play top-level talent, I would hope, and it, what it sounds like, is that he'll be more primed for the big leagues than maybe a guy like Devin Futrello. That's kind of apples to oranges, but, you know, high school versus a four-year developed college guy. Right, and and you'd think that's the case. And, you know, that, that sounds right, but a lot of these big league clubs like to develop their own guys and develop them the quote-unquote Philly way or the Yankee way or the Marlins way. So um, that's why these high school guys are so um, attractive sometimes mm -hmm. is because you're getting a raw, basically a blank canvas of raw tools that you can paint the picture with. Um, but at the same time, too, a, a top-tier Division One guy that's proved himself that he can handle that level would be a safer investment in a lot of cases. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of these scouting services that are out there that rank these players. You know, and when it comes down to it, it really comes down to what scouts like what players. You know, your top 50 prospects, it's pretty cut and dry. You know, those guys are people that have been well-known, um, people that have been through the system, um, that have been at all the big events. But I have some sleeper picks that I believe are going to be fitting right in on day two and day three that I'd like to speak about. Please. And, you know, a lot of this feedback that we get is from the scouts that attend our games. Um, 
last year during our, our All-Star game, there were 70-something scouts that showed up. And analytical teams from these big league clubs came along with uh, a couple assistant GMs. And guys were there. And some of these guys that these scouts are very, very high on last year are not on these lists. One of the kids I want to speak about is Matt Svonson. He is a uh, pitch for the West Boca Snappers. And he is another guy at Lehigh University. So Mason was their Friday night guy. Matt was their Saturday guy. And Matt has a big league plus fastball, plus life on his fastball. Guy gets sits up to gets up to 96, really sits in the low to mid-90s. I think Matt is going to be a top 10, potentially top seven round pick. Um, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people because he is on not he's not on baseball America's list. He's not on D1 baseball's list. Uh, he's not on perfect games list. But scouts that have seen his kid throw and other high-level cross-checkers that have seen his kid throw have him going in the top 10 rounds. Um, I possibly think he might go to the Yankees. Uh, that is that is a, a projection for me. I'm going to throw that one out there. They were very, very high on him last summer. Um, and I, I, I could see him going to the Yankees on day two. Uh, p- possibly somewhere in the top. I, I, he could be end up the, in their fifth, sixth, or seventh round pick. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, another guy that I think is under the radar is B.J. Murray. Uh, played for the Pompano Beach Clippers last year. Left-handed hitting third baseman. Uh, lots of cross-checkers were in to see him uh, this past summer. Um, he's a kid that has some juice from the left side can field, can throw. I think he can stay at third base at the next level. And he had a really good year at Florida Atlantic University. Um, He's another guy that, I don't know if I just said this, but he wasn't on any of these lists. And I think he's a guy that is going to surprise people in the draft. I could see him going in the 6th to 10th round. That's where I see BJ ending up. Uh, Great kid, out of the Bahamas. uh, Was a starting third baseman for the Clippers last year and uh, did an excellent job. And his brother Byron, I believe, is the first base coach for the Boca Raton Blazers. Correct. Yeah, Byron is uh, and a good ball player in his own right. Absolutely. He was a good player as well. Uh, played at Lynn University. Uh, one of my other sleepers is a guy that is really um, a big-time projection guy. Jermaine uh, Van Hanigen out of uh, Florida International University. Jermaine did not have the best numbers this year, and he struggled with command, but it is a big-time arm. There was a game that he hit 102 miles an hour in front of six different scouts and myself. Um, All of my velos that I get, if I say a guy throws X miles an hour, it's on my gun. I have to see it. He had 102 miles an hour on my gun, along with other scouts that were there and uh, other game staff members that were there to see it as well. Um, there's times where Jermaine like looks like a big league pitcher. Like there's a batter where he'll throw a series of pitches and it'll be like fastball away, like 97 on the black splitter at 92 and then a fastball in like at 96. And you're like, wow, like he flashed like what a big league reliever would look like. He's huge. He's six, seven two thirty five. you know, last year, um, I thought he was going to get drafted, but the shortened draft kind of um, hurt him in, in that sense a little bit. 
He did go to FIU this year. Once again, his numbers were not very good. Um, but I believe that he's going to end up either being drafted on day three or signed as a free agent, and uh, he's going to have his opportunity. But it's a big, big arm, uh, big-time projection, really long arms, and uh, I really, really hope he can figure it out in the minor leagues. And I know I keep asking you a lot of questions, Vince, but one of the main things that you keep bringing up is, you know, draft eligible, draft eligible. Is there a limit to how many times a guy can be draft eligible before he can't go anymore, or is it kind of unique? It's based off of the situation. So the times that you're draft eligible are when you're a high school senior, when you are 21 years old in college, or whether you're a junior or a senior in college. So those are the four times that you're draft eligible. So you can get drafted all four of those times if you choose not to sign? Correct. So I actually played against a kid that was drafted three different times when I was playing as well. He got drafted as a senior in high school, got drafted both his junior college years, and then ended up signing out of UCF. So he actually ended up getting drafted four times. Or, yeah, four times. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And that just shows that teams are willing to take a chance on a guy and hope that he chooses to be with them. That's correct, yeah. Um, who are some other, you know, maybe day two, day three guys that you're looking at um, to maybe, you know, surprise some people? This is another one. This is a throwback here. Uh, Brendan Tuttle from Bucknell University. Uh, he's a former Palm Beach Extreme guy. Uh, he had a really good year. Um, Roberto uh, Roberto Pena at USF uh, with the West Boca Snappers right now has a chance to go. And really, other than that, I mean, there's a whole handful of guys that, you know, have an opportunity to go. Um, and I think are going to surprise some people. You know, there's. I think this is going to be a really big year for alumni being drafted. And um, I think it's going to be a, a, a really good signing class for, for the league and with these alumni guys. Yeah, and I couldn't have said it any better myself. I think it's great that, you know, the SFCBL were able to get guys just kind of the way we're situated among, you know, geographically and among other summer leagues. We're able to get guys when they're pretty raw talent as younger guys. And I'm sure as the commissioner and someone who works to scout these guys and bring them down to South Florida, it's cool to see that, you know, maybe you took a chance on them as a freshman going into school and now they're draft eligible. It's got to be cool to see how, how much they've developed. It's crazy. I mean... There's guys in this league that, you know, I never would have thought would have been a big leaguer, like like a Cedric Mullins. You know, he's a kid that was was just a slightly above average player here. He made the all-star team. He hit 300 here in the league, and now he's in the major league all-star. All yeah. yeah, it's incredible. You know, and, and there's a guy, like I'll give you a perfect example, Gus, um, uh, not Gus, um, who was the guy from the Buccaneer, the, uh, the Buccaneers last year that had a huge, huge year? Uh, Gavin Dugas from LSU. I mean, he hit probably like 220 or 230 here last summer and absolutely went nuts. He hit 19 home runs in the SEC. So he's another guy that, you know, I think is going to be a day three guy and just he went nuts at LSU this past year. You know, so he there's so many of these little sleeper guys that like aren't in these top 500 lists that, listen, at the end of the day, a guy, that's hit, a guy that hits is a guy that's going to play. And, you know, hitting 19 home runs in the SEC is not easy. It's not an easy task. And Gavin went absolutely bananas this this spring after having not so productive uh, summer um, offensively at the plate. Yeah, and I, I think that 
it's also, you know, you can't take everything at face value. Baseball is a game that goes very wavy. It's very streaky. And, you know, a guy could just not have a good summer. Like you said, Cedric Mullen, see, it looked pretty average down here and developed into a, a pretty darn good big leaguer, if I do say so myself. But you can't always take the numbers at face value, especially down in a summer league that's such a short amount of time and such a small sample size. It's just tough because guys develop. Yeah. You know, guys get better. I mean, Ryan Yarbrough was 79 to 84 65 lefty and now he's in the the Tampa Bay Rays like starting rotation and I mean he pitches every single week in the big leagues so I mean velo isn't everything and that's another point that I want to make to listeners that are you know maybe younger is that there's such an emphasis on velo and a lack of you know emphasis on guys that know how to pitch we go out me yourself the other game staff that are here in the room right now in the studio, every game it seems like someone's throwing 93, 94. Mm -hmm. But how many of those guys can actually pitch and not just throw? Very few. The guys that can pitch are the guys that get to the next level. The guys that pitch hard, throw hard, and can pitch are the guys that make the big leagues. So, you know, it's 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 got to have that happy medium between both, but guys that are successful are the guys that can pitch. Those are the guys that that make it to the next level. For sure. Are there any other guys you had on your list, or does that kind of round up maybe one more sleeper pick? That kind of wraps everything up for me. I don't have anybody else really that's you know on my list here. Um, there's going to be surprises. I'm missing. I'm definitely forgetting a lot of people. You know, there's going to be a name that comes up in the draft that played here like three years ago, and we're like, oh my god, like wow, great for John Doe. I'm so happy for him because. You know what? He was just an average player when he's here, and he, when he was a freshman, and over the last two years, he really developed. There's going to be guys like that. Um, there's going to be guys that are going to get drafted, and we're going to just have you know they weren't on our radar at all. Um, and it happens every year, and it's fun to see, and it's just very reward, rewarding for for me as being as the league being a, a stepping stone in their path uh, into their careers. So. It's very rewarding, and um, I'm really excited. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year, and um, looking forward to uh, covering it coming up here next week. Absolutely, and we have a big week here in the SFCBL as well. We have All-Star Selections on Saturday. That will be released on Wednesday the 14th, so be sure you're following us at SFCBL underscore official and all your favorite teams on social media to keep up with all that SFCBL all-star information and like you said Vince we will all be glued to the TV and glued to our phones to get updates on the MLB draft and whenever an SFCBL alum gets drafted you will know about it if you are following us at SFCBL underscore official both on Twitter and on Instagram we will have another podcast probably dropping on Monday as a preview of the SFCBL all-star game but that is a topic for another day Thank you so much to Vince for joining us, our in-studio audience, for keeping us company. And let's hope we get a lot more names called than we think because, you know, it's great to see that these guys are really developing and growing from their time down here in South Florida. And, yeah, that'll do it. We'll see you guys on Monday for the next episode of the SFCBL Triple Play Podcast.